1: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, you know, last episode, we had our pal Walt on Sabermetrics from the Charging Buffalo. And since we love the Charging Buffalo so much, don't we love the Charging Buffalo folks? We really do. (laughs) We decided that we wanted to have a new pal from the Charging Buffalo on who we have gotten to meet for the first time today via Zoom. We are very happy to welcome from TCB Austin Broad. Austin, welcome to the pod thanks guys appreciate it i'm uh, really excited to be on
0: obviously i follow your pod all the time and it's pretty cool to finally uh, be a guest and hop on with you guys
1: hell yeah man feeling very very mutual here so we wanted to start off with the big charging buffalo news of the week which is the release of the 2022 draft guide which austin you were one of several contributors on uh, along with walt and let me be the first to say holy shit What a great job. You guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. For anybody who has not checked it out yet, this episode will be coming out, of course, the morning of the draft on Thursday here today. And man, if you want to get caught up to speed or if you already have been following along and want to do an even deeper dive into the prospects, the Charging Buffalo's 2022 NHL Draft Guide is top-notch stuff. So Austin, do you want to talk a little bit about the process of that coming together, some of your work on it, and just generally the, the draft guide?
0: yeah absolutely so i mean it's pretty cool it's our it's our third year doing it um it's it's a unique because we get to marry our love of the sabers and scouting so obviously it's it's geared saber specific we do our you know our top 32 we post our analysis on each there but then we get to go into it and maybe you know show some some of the guys who might not know that much about you know rounds two through seven and give our opinions on who the sabers should target there so it's really cool it's a lot of work obviously um Sometimes it's tough to, you know, get all on the same page and kind of wrangle everything together. But thanks to, uh, you know, Jared and Curtis over there, they're able to to rein us in and keep our our conversations from getting off the rails because they they get off the rails pretty fast there. But it's it's fun. I mean, all all of us that kind of contribute there, we either are scouting on our own or we're affiliated with an independent uh, scouting agency there. So it it gives us a, a unique look on things. And it's just it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's Curtis and Jared came up with this project you know, three years ago. And the first time it was literally, I think there was three of us and then it's grown into the, how many contributors we have now. So it's, it's growing a lot and it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun. And, it, and the reception this year has been awesome. It's, it's great to see. And the, you know, the charging Buffalo giving us that, uh, that outlet there is, has become huge for us.
1: Absolutely. So let's get right into it with Sabres Talk. So as we all know, everybody, the Sabres will be drafting at 9, 16 and 28 in the draft on Thursday night, starting off with pick number nine. We'll take these one at a time. One of the guys that you had talked about in your analysis was Frank Nazar, which is somebody that a lot of sabers fans have been pointing to as a potential option at nine or even at 16 for that matter due to the fact of how wide of options there are really across the board from nine to 20 there um nazar is somebody though that you know taylor and i have talked about a bit i think he's a really intriguing option can you talk a little bit about what you like about him and why you think he would be a good fit for the sabers moving forward
0: yeah, so he is one of my top two options for the ninth overall pick. The other will be uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi from Sweden. But with Nazar, I mean, at FC, you know, Future Considerations Hockey, where I scout, I am the head of USA Scouting. So I've seen a lot of the United States National Development Program. So I've seen a lot of uh, of Nazar. He is just an exceptional skater. He's a great all-around talent. He's the rare talent of a potential play-driving winger. We all talk about that center who can carry a line for for his team and how that kind of elevates him. But Nazar is a winger and he seems to have that ability, which is just an absolute, it's a rare find these days in the NHL. And to combine his, you know, his offensive instincts with his all around game and just like he does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the scoreboard. If you're just a casual hockey fan, you might not even know the impact that he's having on the game, but he's a weird one at nine because it seems that scouts in the NHL seem to have a bit of a different opinion on him. And there's a lot of people talking about him potentially falling, like you said, to 16, or maybe even out of the top 20. So everyone's a little bit split on him, but all of us at the charging Buffalo, we're, we're big fans of him. And like you said, it does seem amongst Sabres Twitter that he is the popular selection at nine. So I'm really curious to see where he ends up going and just how you know real of a chance it is that the Sabres pick him at ninth overall.
2: Now, uh, as far as, as that goes uh, Nizar, do you see him as a, a winger, center? Like, how do you see him fitting in in the future?
0: I see him more as a, as a winger personally. I mean, his – it's hard for a winger to transition to center at the next level. I know that's a lot of talk with Cutter Gauthier lately, and why he's making up the ranks because he said he views himself as a center. But as easy as it is for a winger to play center in junior or at the NCAA, once you get to the NHL, it's a completely different animal, and that's why you see guys like, you know, Jack Quinn. We have him here in our system here in Buffalo, and he talked about trying to play center, and it's it, it's tough every time he goes out there and tries to play center. When you play a majority of your time at wing there's a lot less responsibility that you have to worry about. And it kind of lets you focus on your, on your game a little bit more. So if I had to project Nazar at the next level, it would be a winger, not a center.
1: Interesting. So aside from him, who else do you like as potential options for the Sabres at nine?
0: I really like LeCaramaki from Sweden. He's a great goal scoring threat. He's got a a great shot. I mean, we have a, few of those prospects and players here in our system, whether it's Victor Olsen, Jack Quinn, uh, another name that I'm not sure if I like him so much at nine, but he is a really intriguing prospect is uh, Marco Casper. He's an Austrian playing in the Swedish league. Mm-hmm. He is just an, a, a relentless, a relentless four checker. He'll live in the slot. He'll make his living there. He'll take his punishment. He'll dole it out. The reason I'm not so sure about him at nine is he's the rare case where he doesn't really do anything at an elite level, but he does so much stuff at an extremely high level that The ceiling might not be that exciting, but Casper is a name that's picking up some steam at nine for the Sabres. And, you know, if by any chance he does fall, a defenseman that I know we don't really want to hear about the Sabres taking another defenseman high because that's really all they do lately. But if David Juracek is there at ninth overall, I think he's easily the best player available and the Sabres have to take a swing on him. Me personally, I don't imagine the other defenseman, Simone Nemec being there. So that's why I'll mention Juracek there. He's a right shot defenseman, which Buffalo kind of needs. He's got great two-way ability. Um, I don't think he'll be there at nine, but if stranger things have happened, and if he falls, I think it's a home run.
1: Right, and I'll just say a couple of things too. like, we've been, I have, I love Marco Casper for the reasons that you outlined there. I think best case scenario if he's able to fall to sixteen, that would be unbelievable yeah. if they could get him there. But it feels like there's a lot of smoke with him with Detroit potentially, even with the Sabers too. And I agree with though, yeah. When you're when you're looking at a prospect like that, if they don't do anything that like stands out like that. But, you know, it it could give you a cause for concern taking them top 10, but at the same time, I mean, somebody who does a lot of things really well and on top of that has a, a really high-end compete level, I think, is invaluable for the organization. So as you're talking about Urasek there, though, I think that it is interesting because I think he is definitely a realistic option Like if somebody ends up falling. And one of the things that Taylor and I have talked about a, a couple of times over the past couple of months as we've been leading up to the draft is that it seems like every year there's always one or two guys who sneak into the top 10 where it's just completely out of left field. And then that ends up letting the board fall really well for teams who are picking eight, nine, like the Sabres have several times over the past few years. Who do you see as a guy in the first round that you think may end up getting scooped up in the picks before the directly before the Sabres, whether it's Columbus, Ottawa, or Detroit, that isn't necessarily being mocked there right now by the majority of analysts who've been putting out their mock drafts.
0: Yeah, I think I think we do have to start with Casper there. Like mm-hmm. he seems like a Detroit Red Wings draft pick, doesn't he? They always seem right. to do something a little bit out of left field, whether it's you know Moritz Sider at sixth overall or something like that. So I think Casper is a realistic option in the top ten for Detroit there. And like you said, Buffalo, there is a lot of smoke with Casper to Buffalo, which would be a really good pick because he does bring that element of that relentless motor that the Sabres might not exactly have. I think a guy from Sweden, like uh, Noah Oslin could go a lot higher than people are expecting. He's not mocked that high, but like you said, the Detroit Red Wings and Columbus, they always seem to be wild cards in the first round of the draft. So if those are two teams to watch that, you might see that type of guy who isn't mocked in the top 10, but, they will go there because it just seems that Kekalinen and Steve Eisman always seem to do something that no one's expecting them to do, which mm. would benefit
2: the Sabres.
1: No doubt. No doubt.
2: So obviously there's a another, well, there's two other picks to, uh, to discuss. So let's move on to, to pick 16, the, the pick we got from Vegas. Uh, who are some guys uh, you would target there?
0: I mean, I would target him too, but we'll, we'll start talking about him just because all that smoke that's been there. Danila Yurov, Obviously, the Russian factor is a bit of a risk, but he is such a talented player. Uh, He's obviously one of my top targets at 16, but a guy that I've seen a lot of this year, uh, Rutger McGrordy from the U.S. National Development Program. I know his skating has kind of been talked about as a little bit of a red flag. Me personally, I'm not so concerned with it because skating isn't the uh, the detriment that it used to be. You can improve on skating a lot easier than you could have, say, 10, 15 years ago. McGrody is a big guy, and all he does is produce. He's strong. He's got a great shot. He's got great offensive instincts. Whether you, you know, if you take away his shooting lane, he can hit a, a teammate in stride with a perfect pass. He's a guy I'm looking at there. I'm leaning forward at nine, and 16 is where you kind of start to see maybe the defenseman come into play, a guy like. Denton Madychuck from the, the WHL, arguably one of the best offensive defensemen in this class. Once you get outside of the big two, he's a great skater, uh, potentially a guy like Owen Pickering makes a lot of sense if the Sabres are looking for, for defensemen there. So those are four names that I'm watching, but it's hard to get around the smoke that is there with Yurov right now. It just seems like we're heading towards that becoming a reality.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because the big news that had gotten out today was that the Metalurg, Metalurg, I believe, is, is that it? metallurg I think. Yeah. Um, which is the team that Yurov plays for right now. Their vice president, Sergey Laskov says that Buffalo the Buffalo Sabres will select Yurov. And this is coming from the Twitter account, Hockey News Hub. The quote was, he will be selected in the first round by the Buffalo team. He will only play in Magnus Skorosk. Yurov is planned as a player in the main squad. So, It feels like, like you said before, Austin, the past couple of weeks, there's just been a lot of ties to Yurov and Buffalo. A lot of mock drafts have had Yurov going there at 16. But as we've learned, the situation in Russia is going to potentially lead to some of these players falling. Now Yurov is in Montreal right now for the draft. I'm curious, Austin, given those concerns, do you feel that the Sabres should have Uh, a serious level of apprehension before taking a guy like Yurov at 16 or do you feel on the other hand of that that he's a guy that would end up being here maybe one to three years down the road and by that point you would expect him to report without any issues
0: yeah it's tough like if we weren't talking about this russian situation we're talking about a potential top eight talent in this class and i think it would be a no-brainer but with the news of everything that's come out I think it's I think it would be irresponsible not to be a little bit cautious when targeting a guy like Yurov coming from you know Russia because no one really knows what goes on over there. I mean, the news with Ivan Fedotov, the goalie prospect for the Flyers has been very concerning. I know there were reports today about Kirill uh, you know, Kaprizov and if those end up being true, obviously that's a big concern. So obviously you have to, you know, err on the side of caution there, but all things being considered, Yurov doesn't have a huge Russian commitment right now. I think he's only got another year or two max left on his contract. You know, not like current Sabres prospect Prokar Pultepov, who's pretty much signed for another three years and playing for CSKA,
1: which is a whole
0: nother wrinkle that.
1: Which you know. Yurov is not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: Yurov is Yurov is not his. Actually, his contract with the KHL ends at the end of this season coming up. So maybe it's a little bit less concerning knowing that he doesn't have a huge Russian commitment there. Um, I mean, from a pure hockey standpoint he just seems like a perfect fit at 16 uh because he's going he's people talk about his KHL numbers obviously they were not inspiring but he played two minutes a night in Russia let's face it they don't care about developing players that come to the NHL they care about winning you know KHL championships and they have three leagues there and if you're slated in as the extra forward no matter what you do you're not going to earn that ice time to get into that lineup. They have their set lineup and that's what they're going to do there. But he was a dominant player at the Russian junior level. He never really got a chance to go play in like the VHL, that second tier league, which would be like the equivalent of the AHL over here. He never got that chance. It was either Russian junior or he was the extra forward in the KHL. So I know some people are scared about that, but given the, the short-term Russian commitment, a little bit, a little bit cautious there, but I think 16 is a great spot for the Sabres to take a swing and take a risk on a guy like this because he could turn out to be a star and we have three first-round picks, so we can choose to be a little risky with one of them if we want to be.
1: 100%. One other guy. Yeah, I was just – before we
2: go on, I, should Taylor. we clarify what the situation – not the not the situation in Russia, or but like what the news of the past couple of days has been?
1: Yeah, you want to go into that, Taylor?
2: Yeah, yeah I don't know because I don't know if you know, some people maybe, maybe haven't heard too much about it or only vaguely heard about it. So basically, Ivan Fedotov, who's a Flyers goaltending prospect, was arrested more or less and shipped to a Russian naval base because – he is suspected of having faked uh, military ID and basically skirting his required one year of military service as a uh, young men in Russia have to do between the ages of 18 and 27. And there's a report today that Kirill Kaprizov, who was, was a Calder winner and last year was a borderline MVP candidate uh, for the wild, uh, had fled Russia, but then there's another report, I guess a more official report from the athletic that he hadn't fled Russia, but In that athletic article, there was a lot of quotes from Russian um, sources saying basically like, yeah, I'm telling guys to stay uh, in the USA uh, that I think uh, the someone in the upper management with the Capitals was like telling or trying to be saying that they're in in constant contact with Ovechkin and and Orlov and Kuznetsov and just telling guys, especially guys who are under the age of 27 to not go back to Russia if they can help it, uh, which obviously Side of the war it's interesting i guess it's more of an unstable thing because i think one year of military service especially when in the past guys have done their quote-unquote military service playing for Mm -hmm. csk moscow um it doesn't sound that bad but given the situation we're at with (laughs) the world broadly i guess that could change so but yeah that's that's honestly not just for for this one pick i mean it's for there's russia produces the third most nhl players it could be a huge, huge story for the league going forward.
1: Let me put this out there to you guys too, and excuse my ignorance if it comes off as this, but like for, and I don't know if you guys have read anything about this at all, but for guys like Yurov and Ivan Miroshesnenko, who are both at the draft right now in Montreal, is there anything that would keep their teams, whoever they end up getting drafted to, to just say, hey, don't go back. Just, well, like, can we keep you here? I mean, is that within the realm of possibility. Does anybody know? I genuinely have no idea.
0: I know there was a yeah. lot of rumblings of unconfirmed reports that Mirosh Nichenko won't go back to Russia. And like, I think his USHL rights are owned by Muskegon lumberjacks
1: mm-hmm.
0: again. He's got a contractual obligation, but like you said, I genuinely have no idea if there's anything right. stopping him from just saying, I'm, I'm not going back.
1: Well, and he's talked about it too. I believe like openly the past, I, I think this year, maybe like last off season saying that he didn't want to stay, like he wanted to come over as soon as he possibly could. So, and you know, before, cause he's somebody that I think is intriguing at 28, but before we get to that, I do have one more guy I want to ask about at 16 that I've yep. really, changed my mind on a bit I would say honestly over the past week which is Brad Lambert he was somebody that I thought was a legitimate option for them at 16 because of the fact that you have three first round picks and he is, you know, this time last year, he was looked at as a potential top 10 pick, maybe even top five. If you want to go back like a year and a half ago or so, and really fell off this year due to his production. And when you look at some of the comparables of guys who have been in similar spots and played in the same league, um, you know, in the Liga and, and the Finnish leagues coming up there, I went from thinking of him as a uh, an option at 16 that I'd be happy with to feeling very worried about them taking him given what other guys may be on the table at 16 there. So Austin, I'm just curious. I mean, where do you stand on Lambert? I know Walt is a big fan of his, but like I said, really just the more I've watched of him in this past week, and mainly, honestly, the more I've read about him too. And just some of those, like I said, some of the comparables there and, his production comparables and everything. It's given me some serious concern about them taking him at 16. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. I mean, if we are talking, I know there's some people who have even considered him at nine. I'm not comfortable taking him at nine at all because the risk is there. If we get into the 16 range, I am actually a little bit more comfortable Um, guys with his skating ability, his strength, like they're, they're just it's, it's so hard to say, but they're just suited for the North American style of hockey. There's less room there. They're allowed to use their skating and their strength and their ability. Obviously, you would wish that the, the offensive production was a little bit better, but uh, if, if we're talking at 16 now, I mean, he's got no commitments to play in Europe next year. I'm pretty certain. Like, his WHL rights were just traded. It's looking like he's going to come over and play in the Western Hockey League, and I've we've had this debate internally at TCB a number of times. If he plays his draft year in the WHL, he probably is being talked about as the top five pick that he was once slotted to be.
1: Interesting.
0: But the risks are there. There are some red flags there. Like it's so weird to say because you watch him play and all the tools are there. Mm-hmm. Will they ever come will they ever get put together properly? Like, I don't know. Tage Thompson finally figured it out in his, you know, D plus five year, but also Tage Thompson wasn't a top ten pick. So 16 could be that sweet spot for him. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he falls out of the top 15, top 20. But the NHL draft is so weird. All it takes is one team. Um, like we just said, Buffalo's got the, the, the room to be a little bit risky with their picks because they do have three. So maybe Lambert is a legitimate option there. And while the risks are inherent, I mean, the upside there is, is immense. And if he gets back to anything close to the form he was at, you know, a year or two ago when he was setting records and finished junior hockey, that pick could be a home run
1: interesting interesting yeah like I, I think a lot of it just goes back to I feel like I've increasingly it's been pointed out more and more about the the frequency of him taking nights off and just that is just something that for me like I I don't know I that just concerns me a lot but again I guess having multiple first round picks it's like if you can get a guy to put it together because I, I don't want it to make it seem like I'm saying that the Sabres should never take a guy that maybe has like um effort issues I guess but we've been burned before with guys like that who have immense tools and it you know other organizations have been able to take guys like that and end up you know working it out and 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 it works out fine and then the player turns out to be really solid but it just feels like the Sabres have had I don't want to call it a history but there's been a couple of there's been a few recent instances of them taking guys where it's like the tools are there but if they have issues with their compete level and and that taking nights off and stuff like that um it just feels like the savers haven't been able to get over the hump with those kind of players and turn them into guys who are you know have it on going 100 percent every single night yeah. um but yeah so let's let's move on to 28 though so who do you like at 28 who do you think are potential options there at 28 who do you think they end up taking if you think that there's somebody that feels like a, a lock there or a really strong uh consideration in your opinion
0: yeah so i Honestly, like my my dream scenario would be they don't take Yurov at 16. They take someone else and then they take a swing on Mirosh Nichenko at 28 because before the season started, I, I honestly thought he could be a player that was in the top five discussion.
1: Hell um, yeah. He
0: obviously, he didn't look right this year. Obviously, we now know why. He had some serious health concerns that he's getting treatment for and he's obviously doing a lot better. He's in Montreal, which is a great sign. But this guy, me and Curtis talk about it all the time. Like my, my high, I don't like doing player comparables, but when you watch... When you watch prime Ilya Kovalchuk, that's what I see when I watch Ivan Marashtochenko at his best. He skates like the wind. He's got an elite shot. If you get in his way, he'll run you over like a freight train. Like he's got all the tools there. And if we're talking about a, a risk factor that I am comfortable taking, like if he's on the board at 28, I sprint to the podium, I draft him and I go from there because he could end up being a steal. Other names that, you know, might actually be more realistic are, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, Lance Lezowski from the Buffalo News kind of talked about it today but the Sabres met with Quebec Rampart Center Nathan uh, Gauché. he's a very talented big body power forward who can score Um, Slovakia this is the year to be a Slovakian because they're they're going to dominate this draft they're going to take all the headlines Uh, Philip Mesar would be a great option for the Sabres he's a highly skilled player who can put the puck in the back of the net Um, he he would be a great option there Uh, a really I don't know how it would be some Sabres fans seems to love the big body blue, like blue liners who play physical and throw hits. But if you're, if this is the complete opposite, I don't know how it would be received in Buffalo, but Lane Hudson from the U S national development team program is probably was one of my most, he was the most exciting player that I've watched this year. He's undersized, which you never know how that's going to translate to the next level, but he could break out and end up being, you know, on that Quinn Hughes level, if he hits his stride. So that's a guy that could be a serious consideration there. Uh, there's a lot of players on the board there. I don't. I don't really know where Buffalo's going to go with this twenty eighth overall pick. But my dream scenario is Marash Nechenko at twenty eighth
1: nice yeah i like him a lot there too i'm curious also one other guy but Sorry, sorry i just wanted to ask too because i i i'm with you that if he's available at 28 i think that he should be the pick regardless of who else would be on the board at that point um but aside from him though assuming they go forward with the first two picks with nine and 16 two guys on d who i liked one you had mentioned there in hudson but also his teammate from the national development program ryan chesley too what are your thoughts on chesley do you feel like he's somebody who could end up being a good fit Oh, hundred percent. I was so tempted to say him
0: as an option at 16, because that's how much I love Ryan Chesley. Nice. I think he it's weird. Like if he's on the board at 28, I would be all overtaking him. I think he just falls in that weird range between 16 and 28, where I think some team might scoop him up. He is again, his offensive numbers might not be the most impressive, but he is such a good skater. He's so good at understanding how to use his body to his advantage, both offensively and defensively. He is my, like, We've had, I've had some debates with people about who's the best defenseman on the U- U.S. national development team, whether it's Seamus, Casey, Hudson, or Chesley. I've been Chesley all the way. I've been Chesley since you know day one when I started watching him. And I think that performance he put on at the World U18s really reminded people what he could do offensively on top of the rest of his game. So, again, I just think he falls in that weird range where he might not be worth the 16th overall pick, but he might be conned before the 28th overall pick. But if he falls to 28th, yeah, him or Mirosh I'm happy any any day of the week.
2: All right. Uh, so real quick, let's take a break and uh, hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving their new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus with same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. So this is the part where I'm supposed to talk about something coming up uh, that would be interested in betting on. And I guess, honestly, something that I, it's not a game or matchup or anything like that. It's, uh, the first day of free agency, uh, I don't know if this is something you can bet on. Maybe something worth checking out if you can. Uh, what day someone will sign? Because I just was looking through the uh, some of the interesting big free agents because this is a a pretty interesting year in free agency in the NHL. And I think an uh, interesting one, uh, like Johnny Gaudreau. he's obviously a huge free agent. When does he sign? I'm going to say not on July 13th. So if you can make that bet, do it. Uh, And if that's not actually a bet you can make, uh, here's a fun one. The Red Sox have one of the toughest schedules in baseball uh, remaining. So short, short the Red Sox. Anyway, best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Uh, So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, Now back to the show. All right. So Austin, next
1: question we have for you there, because you, you know, as you had alluded to, there's so much, so many possibilities of how the draft board can really fall between nine and 20, but also for that matter, from 15 to 32, like there's just so many different potential outcomes with that being said. I mean, if, because of that, if there is maybe a guy that the Sabres really like, how do you weigh the possibility of them trading up or down? That's been something that Kevin Adams has been talking about a bit. And I think that there's two conflicting schools of thought when it comes to this, where it's like, on the one hand, if, there really isn't a clear cut ranking of all of these guys. Now, obviously all of the teams internally have their rankings, but if there isn't a, you know, a clearly defined structure for like, okay, the guys from nine to 20 are a hundred percent. We know that they would go in this order, that they should go in this order, what have you. Um, You know, if there is the possibility there, that there's a lot of guys that could be of similar stature or whatnot, you know, do you, is it really worth giving up an asset to move up for that matter to go and get a guy that you really want but then on the other hand though if you feel very strongly about a guy who may be available like say they really like Chesley and they get the inkling that he's going to go around like 22 or 23 they say you know what is your what are your thoughts on that if they were to then try and like move up to like 20 or 21 for that matter same goes for 16 like say they really like marco casper for example after they take somebody at nine like nazar or maybe Joachim kemmel falls and they take him at nine but they really want to go out and get casper at like 12 what, what is your thought on that are you against them doing that do you think they should stay put or do you think that they should be aggressive
0: I mean, it's it's tough right because i'm a big proponent of if you have a, a strong enough conviction about a guy and he's your guy and he's on the board and you want to move up to get him you go move up and get him i mean we did it with jj Paterka, like we saw adam's trade up in the second round to go get Paterka. that worked out pretty well um mm-hmm. now obviously as with everything it also depends on the cost if teams are asking you know for an outlandish number of assets you don't do it but if you i think nine and 16 maybe you remain you know stand pat there because i think those guys are so close there in those rankings there that no matter what, you're going to end up getting a good guy, but say you're at 28 and there's a guy, like you said, like say Chesley's still there at like 23. If you feel strong enough about a guy and you know, all it does is cost you, let's say 28 and 41, and you want to go up and get it, go up and get it because the Sabres have so many draft picks this year. I don't think the, again, the draft is a lottery. Always. The more tickets you have, usually the better, but with 11 draft picks, we know, there's a really strong chance 11 of these picks are not making the Sabres at some point in the future. Like that's just not the odds just don't ever play out that way. So if you have a strong enough conviction, yeah, absolutely. I am totally for the Sabres trying to move up and get the guy that they feel strongly enough about.
2: Very nice. 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 Should we uh, transition to the schedule or anything like that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Cover?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Any other, well, awesome. before we move on to the schedule release, do you have any other thoughts on the draft? Anything else that you're particularly interested in keeping an eye on? Do you think, for example, Shane Wright is a lock to go one overall? Any other guys you're really intrigued by in this draft?
0: Yeah, so the, with the debate at number one overall, I'm still convinced that Shane Wright, like I, I don't think... There's anyone that should be going number one overall about, above him. I'll listen to Logan Cooley because I think Logan Cooley has a, the real potential to be, you know, that good of a player. But when you're talking about, you know, I know Slavkowski has become the hot commodity for the first overall pick. If you're picking a winger first overall, you better have zero doubt that he's the best player in the draft and it's not even close. And where I think he's a great player right now, I just I, I can't pick, I can't put him as the number one best player in this draft as a walk i I can't do it so when it's in that situation i always defer to the centers which is why i would assume it would be shane Wright. but who knows montreal wants to make a splash with uh, their this regime's first draft in their hometown maybe that's what they do there and then the other storyline that i am looking forward to especially in the first round is where does ivan mirosh go i mean we've obviously talked about it being potentially at 28th for buffalo that would be great but i'm just i'm really interested interested to see where he goes because of the russian factor but also because if healthy how high could he have gone? I think a team's going to get a steal if they take him in the late first round. So those are the two big things for the first round. The other one, I mean, if you're a goalie nerd, this isn't the greatest year to be a goalie uh, prospect. It's just not nearly as strong as it has been in the past. I I don't imagine a goalie going in the first three rounds, but who knows? So that's a storyline maybe to look. Yeah. It's not a strong goaltending prospect class this year. Obviously someone might take a, a, a reach there, but I, I, I haven't seen a goalie, talked about that high this year and everyone that I've talked about who's more of a goalie expert than I even agrees like it's it's not the strongest year to be a goalie prospect this year so that'll be an interesting storyline to follow as this
2: draft progresses wow yeah that's that's wild so as far as the Montreal Slavkovsky Slavkovsky thing goes I saw didn't Bob McKenzie say he was going to go first and Bob uh, if I'm not mistaken is is basically never wrong about these things
0: yeah, Bob so, has been pretty accurate, and he has it at number one. But the nuance to there was Bob pulled ten scouts, and it was five four, Slafkowski over Right. So like it was close. And then he even said if you pull ten other scouts, it might be five four for Wrights. So like it's this one is close. Like we talked about it last year with Owen Power maybe not being a lock to go first overall. This year it seems even more muddy than it was last year, which is pretty hard to believe considering Wright's pedigree and the hype that he had coming into the season.
2: Wow. Yeah, because as we're talking to you right now, it's we 26 hours away from the draft or something like that. I think a lot of times when the lottery happens, there's a lot of talk about who knows who could go first. But at this point, I feel like we almost always know, like at this point last year, I, w- I think we're pretty confident power was going to go first uh, where, you know, I, two years ago, kind of, I mean, honestly, most years the same thing. I think there's very few years, like maybe the Patrick Heischer year, is it was kind of came down to the wire but most years it's kind of clear by this time this is the least clear I can ever remember it and honestly would be very funny though if Montreal who I don't think they had I don't they've had had the first overall pick in something like half a century uh if after the first time they they did that they also haven't had a number one center and I don't know how long I not in my lifetime they haven't had one if they just passed on a potential number one center and went with another good winger instead that'd be It'd be pretty funny, at least. It would be. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the, the NHL schedule was released today. Uh, it's not as exciting as, like, the NFL schedule or anything like that, but it's it's something. Uh, we're going to see Samson Reinhardt very early on in the year. A lot of Thursday and Saturday games, it appears. Any other thoughts on the schedule?
1: November 10th.
2: That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm looking at. Go ahead, Austin. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The November
0: 10th game uh, against Vegas, obviously last year, Eichel's return. I unfortunately couldn't get it over to the game, but I've already talked with a bunch of my buddies and trying to get a big crew to go to that game because I want to be in, I, like I said, I wasn't uh, against Eichel at all after the trade, but after the comments he made that night, like I am all in on him becoming a heel and going there just to cheer against him and just hope that I don't care if Buffalo if they beat Vegas and Toronto, I don't care what they do next year as long as they can <laughs> send Eichel home miserable again that cuz like it was just gold. But also like they're only playing against Toronto once at home I believe Lance Zaisowski said and I thought that was a kind of an interesting thing cuz normally normally you would love to see like but you get to see Buffalo in Toronto twice the the borders open now so it's going to be kind of back to that whole hostile crowd in buffalo but yeah Lysowski pointing that out and i haven't really had a chance to look at it but when i Wait, saw that yeah. report, how
1: I'm, is that possible
0: yeah that's what i that was an interesting little tidbit there
2: that was also true last year right but one of the games was a heritage classic yeah one of the games was the heritage classic but this year like he
0: said he said they only play against toronto at home once and i thought that was extremely interesting yeah it in is interesting,
2: yeah. Huh. another thing I'm, I'm seeing here uh perhaps for the final time as a blue ron o'reilly is returning on thanksgiving eve so would that set up yeah that would set up a thanksgiving eve uh home game a thanksgiving day bills game and then a friday is uh the black friday uh u.s versus england in the world cup game so wow that'll be a fun little stretch
1: and um wow that's a really good stretch all right any other thoughts that we would uh, like to share here before we sign off about anything hockey related guys?
2: Yes. Uh, shout out to Mike Greer. Shout out Mike Greer. The got named the San Jose Sharks GM, the first ever black GM in NHL history and uh, Sabres legend. Love that. And there's a charging Buffalo connection because charging Buffalo founder, Jared Halt tweeted a picture of Mike Greer's it's like a Mike Greer card from I think when he was in Edmonton and Hockey Night in Canada quote tweeted it
0: yeah Jared went viral that was a pretty big uh, pretty big moment for him that was the funniest hockey card ever just Mike Greer eating a piece of pizza <laughs>
1: <laughs> very nice very nice well Austin we always end our episodes by sharing a random Sabres player we call it our random Sabres player of the episode. So we just, just think of a guy, anybody who it might be from over the years. So Taylor and I can go first. If you want to take a second to to think about who you'd like to go with, but Taylor, let me know who you got for your random Sabres player of the episode.
2: Uh, it's Mike Greer. I'll just go with Mike Greer. Oh. I think that's good for the week, but also I'm going to say, I don't have a recommendation, but I will have one on Sunday that'll be more extensive than anyone I've ever had. On purpose, it just won't be a weird argument with Brendan this time.
1: <laughs> Come on, what do you mean? Yeah.
2: Um. All right, I'm
1: gonna go with Rob McClanahan as my Buffalo random Buffalo Saber of the episode.
2: The Team USA guy. Yeah. I don't even know he played here. Mm-hmm. Good for him.
1: Yeah, they drafted him. I'm pretty sure. Oh wow. Yeah, third round pick in uh in the I believe the '78 draft. Hmm the more, you know, who you got, Austin?
0: I'm going to go with uh, legendary Sabres trade deadline acquisition. Dynas Zubris That's my random Sabre of the day. That's a
1: heater. That's a heater. <laughs> we love it. Austin, before we sign off, tell everybody where they could find you online. Uh, they can find me online if
0: they want to at a, uh, at Austin underscore B-R-O-A-D, uh, Austin underscore broad. And obviously look for all my work on the charging Buffalo and uh, future considerations hockey.
1: Love it. Well, Austin, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again soon.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can uh, catch up soon and I'd love to be on anytime you'd like to have me.
1: We'd love that. That'd be great. All right, everybody. All right, we'll see you into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, wherever you're currently listening to this episode. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows on both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. And make sure you're following them on social media. That said, make sure you're also following us on social media at Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as Taylor had mentioned before, head over to DraftKings and use that promo code THPN at checkouts take advantage of great deals we'll be back with a new episode on monday recapping the draft but in the meantime everybody have a great rest of your week and a great weekend this has been straight up savers